Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It gives me great pleasure to welcome back the feng shui lady. Angie Ma Wong was one of the people responsible for bringing feng shui to America. She has written feng shui books and children's books. She has also written about Barack Obama. She has assisted businesses in how to do business with China. Today, we are discussing Angie's new book, A Survivor's Secrets to Health and Happiness, her 27th book title. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Angie Ma Wong, to It's Rainmaking Time. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Kim. Well, the first thing I want to ask you about is you're a cancer survivor of over 20 years. I am a four-time, 22-year cancer survivor. Wow. What does that mean? Well, it means that when I was diagnosed in 1989, uh, I was pretty scared. (laughs) And uh, cancer treatment has changed tremendously in uh, two uh, two decades plus. Uh, Before, it was one size fits all, and we were cancer victims, and uh, uh, mortality was short or, you know, uh, we were not expected to live. And now we have um, advanced so much in research that we know so much more. And cancer treatments now are becoming more customized and personalized. We have over 12 million survivors. This month on June the 5th was uh, National Cancer Survivors Month, and we have over 12 million survivors, cancer survivors in the United States. But on the other hand, every year, 11 million people in the United States are newly diagnosed, including 150,000 children. I don't want you to be offended when I say what I'm about to say, because you're a beloved guest on this show, and I adore you personally, and I love what you do for a living, and I so much appreciate your writing and your books. But I am angry that after 100 years, the medical establishment hasn't figured out a way to not either burn or poison people with chemotherapy and radiation, and that we haven't really transcended the paradigm yet. However... Let's talk about the upside of why you're at least a 22-year cancer survivor. Sure. I'm not offended, and I think that uh, we have made great strides uh, uh, from the scientific uh, side of it. But on the other side, one thing has changed tremendously is that people have um, sought what we call alternative with some success. Alternative means replacement therapy or treatments. But I have embraced something called complementary uh, or integrated, and that's what my book uh, stresses is uh, Western and Eastern medicine working in concert with each other. One of the things that I found out about most recently is hyperbaric oxygen therapy for getting rid of inflammation and also for expediting healing. And what I found out is that with cancer patients, it really helps them heal from radiation sickness and helps speed the success of the treatments. Have you heard about it? 
No, I haven't, but I do know that walking on the beach and being by salt water gives me the same effect, and I don't have to, <laughs> uh, you know, just breathing in the salt, salt air and salt water just uh, helps healing, and that's what they, it's, I think it's the same uh, principle. It's definitely not 100% oxygen in your body, but I did hear that walking on the beach really helps you. Right, and it, uh, you know, it, they use that treatment for burn patients. They pump in this, you know, uh, high uh, oxidation, you know, of air that has a lot of uh, ions in it and pumps it in, uh, pump it into uh, treatment rooms for burn patients. This has been used for quite some time. Is it the same? I don't know. I'm sorry. No, no problem. I know it's not the same, but I know that what you're describing is very helpful for people. What made you write this new book? Well, Kim, after being around for 22 years and learning a lot, I had a oh, a whole huge um, collection of information, and new things are always coming out, which is very exciting to me. I pick up a magazine. I pick up uh, um, newsletters from different organizations and different companies, and I see new things. And I wanted to um, make people aware in very palatable, I call bite, someone called it bite size, bite size information to help people think. I think that's the main thing. It was to help you, uh, people think and also to remind them what they could do. They could t- be very proactive in their health and in their happiness. One of the things I loved about your new book is that not only is it really practical, there's a lot of neat nuggets of information in there that you can use every day and also a lot of wisdom. So not only do you present updated facts and things that were newly discovered that work, but the way that you presented it also brings wisdom and a spiritual component to it. Very digestible. I agree with you. Oh, thank you so much. I try to... uh Make it easy for people to remember. That was one thing. There was nothing worse than picking up a, a book on cancer, you know, post-cancer care or nutrition or something, which is four inches thick and weighs four pounds, and you can't, it's not, you can't take it with you. People are very busy these days. A book is great. They still, it's something that they don't read online and then forget about it. A book you can still have you know, right at your, you know, at your side. You can keep it in your car. You know, uh, you can put it in a bag and read it on the beach or on the plane or, you know, when you're waiting in line at the grocery store. And that's what I like I like about it is to put it in a format that people could read it and have it, you know, oh, I remember that, but let me go back to Angie's book and see, you know, what she said about that. But people ask me, you know, what are some simple things I can do about, you know, losing weight, for example, or keeping healthy. And so that's why they were bite-sized. Each little chapter, is. Uh, some of them are only a page and a half long or two or three pages. Some chapters are a little bit longer. But uh, I think that's why it, it appeals to so many people, everyone who picks it up and everyone who's been a recipient of it. I get some very, very um, common compliments and um, uh, compliments and uh, comments about uh, the way it's formatted, and people like that very much. You do a lot of your own publishing. You're also a publisher, aren't you? I am. Which really allows you to say it the way you want and also to lay it out the way that you want. Your books are really inviting. I have three of your feng shui books. I love them. 
both the pocket-sized ones and the regular books. I thought it was neat that in this new book that you also talked about dirty electricity, you talked about when to eat what at each meal. I thought that was very interesting. The French talk a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Salad at the end instead of in the beginning. Why? Yes. Why? Because the protein takes longer to digest. And so the salads and uh, the vegetables and the salad, especially the salads, have a lot of water and it has a lot of fiber. And so it really helps the plumbing in your system. So here's your protein. It's like a big wad there just sitting, you know, a big mass in your intestinal system and digestive system. And then, but if you follow it up uh, with, instead of interspersed with your, at the beginning or at the beginning of your meal, it actually, you know, the fiber actually, you know, is like a freight train, you know, kind of pushing things out, <laughs> pushing throughout of your plumbing. And that's, you know, and it works. I mean, it's, uh, it's, a, it's just one thing. The thing about uh, fruits, people like to eat uh, uh, fruit. Some, uh, some people like it to eat with their meals. So if you have a fruit salad at meals, for example, at my Rotary Club, there's a, very often we have a salad with um, fruits in that, you know, berries, mangoes, uh, mandarin, orange slices, you know, walnuts. You're making me hungry talking about Oh, no. About <laughs> and, um, and those, uh, you know, a lot of fiber. And so I always eat the protein. That's one of the tips in the book is to eat your protein first. I mean, sure, you can eat your, veg- your cooked veggies too. But at the end, just like the French do, eat your uh, salad at the end. And so you always have that fiber at the end. Okay, it's interspersed, you know, if you eat with your protein during the meal, but at the end. And then food combining is huge. It's, it's a huge thing. And, it, it, again, it works. Um, it's, it's easy. You know, the, um, you, you notice that uh, just in the news over the weekend, the new um, uh, nutrition, you know, the new nutrition uh, pyramid has, uh, well, has been well the old nutrition pyramid has been replaced by the new plate quote unquote right and half of them half of your plate should be f- fruit and vegetables or and uh the other uh you know um one for uh one fourth uh should be our proteins and the other fourth should be carbohydrates and then off to the side every meal you should have some kind of dairy and uh, the combination is easy to remember. Uh, just remember that meat and potatoes, which is easy to people, you know, they kind of go together and people hear about it a lot. So meat and potatoes is the worst combination. So what's the best combination? The remaining two combinations, which is a protein with a vegetable, but don't have, you know, don't have a, a carbohydrate with it, and or the vegetables with the carbs. So you can have vegetables with your carbs or vegetables uh, with your proteins, but don't add, you know, the pasta, the rice, the potatoes, um, uh, because that combination is just, you know, it's just very hard to digest, and then the way they combine, it's just not healthy. 
Can I ask you a couple of secrets about Asian cultures? Okay, I'll try to answer them. (laughs) (laughs) I know that you had talked about in your book that the Japanese take a couple of glasses of warm water upon waking. Is that correct? Yes, but that's not only Japanese. Even in uh, China, they do. They say uh, a cup of water. But I like those, you know, those travel mugs that, you, you know, the size of a travel mug is 16 ounces. Okay. Eight ounces is a cup, right? Right. No, I don't do much cooking. So, but one of those travel mugs, you know, those tall ones that you take out to your car with your coffee or sure. So even before you have your coffee, exactly. You get up in the morning. First thing is you do hydrate. Right. Warm water. No, not hot, not boiling. Just something warm. And the first thing that does is to stimulate uh, stimulate your internal plumbing. It's great. So I, you know, my habit, and this is very easy for a lot of people, you get up, you drink your water. Okay, you go to the kitchen, you, you know, you boil your water or maybe you have, a, you know, an instant hot water, you know, feature in your faucet, filtered water or whatever. Drink uh, this 16 ounces of li- uh, warm liquid. All right. And then you do go about, you know, go and get dressed, brush your teeth, you know, do whatever you need to do. Uh, I go for my walk right after I drink my water and take my vitamins first thing. And then I come back an hour later, and then I have my breakfast. And boy, I tell you, it, it, it's wonderful because and my, I, have, um, I had an aunt and an uncle, both who were physicians. They were married, a uh, married couple, and uh, they told me the same thing. First thing in the morning, just drink warm, you know, a 16-ounce glass or more or more. And so it could, you know, now it could be, now what I do is that's when I drink my turmeric tea. And turmeric is, uh, you know, a cancer, you know, the spice has been known and you read about it all over the Internet. And the researchers found that turmeric, the spice turmeric, which is uh, used a lot in Indian cooking. Yeah, I, I take bio-curcumin from Life Extension Foundation, oh, which is okay. seven times more absorbable than traditional turmeric, but you're right. It totally helps cancer patients and other people around the world. Absolutely. And also, I just uh, had recently read earlier this year in the Los Angeles Times in the health, uh, you know, in the health section they put out once a week, wonderful article, uh, well, actually it was an article, it was a thank you note to the editor, the health editor, the LA Times. Someone said that uh, this person had neuropathy, which is nerve, uh, uh, nerve pain in her arms and feet or whatever, and um, she, was, she had heard about this. I guess it was a previous article or a feature about the turmeric, and she started using it, and all her in the nerve pain, you know, just uh, disappeared. And then she uh, referred it and, you know, suggested it to mention to, to other relatives, and they have. Now, I have, because a residual side effect from my... Uh, latest chemo, which ended in April of this year, and um, I have residual um, side effect of numbness in my feet. My toes, for example, are tingly, and then the area uh, right, you know, before the arch, you know, the instep, that area there, the pads of my feet um, are numb from my chemo. I was taking something called Taxotir, and that causes the numbness. And I take this every morning. I uh, mix it up with, you know, um, about a teaspoon and a half or, of honey. 
and uh, the turmeric, and that's my turmeric tea. And, oh, wonderful! Yeah, and it and it really helps. I I notice that when I forget to take it, or I'm in a hurry, or I'm at a hotel or something, and I didn't bring, you know, right. or away from home, and I didn't bring my my. I mean, it's hard to, <laughs> if you're flying. Remember, we're not allowed to carry more than three ounces of <laughs> three ounces of uh, liquid with us. Sure. So how do you carry your honey for your turmeric tea, you know? So I use a stevia, you know, uh, which is also a natural sweetener, so then I have to substitute. But anyway, I take it. And But the days that I do not take it, I notice the difference when I'm walking in the daytime. Interesting. I believe it. I totally oh, yeah. Believe it. And, and I truly believe it because it's worked on me. So I'm sharing this information with other people. This is, these are the kinds of things that are in the book that... You know, very simple kinds of things, and uh, you know the Chinese, especially the uh, the Chinese um, traditional medicine, tr- uh, traditional Chinese medicine, also known as TCM. We believe in prevention rather than curing. If we prevent it, we don't have to cure. I'm for that, <laughs> and many of the listeners are for that too. Oh, I, I know they are. Are you a green tea drinker? I like green tea very much. As a matter of fact, when we travel to Japan, we always bring back a lot of the powdered teas. But then when I started drinking too much of it, the, the caffeine in it caused heart palpitations. Yeah, very high. I couldn't sleep. Very yeah. high. And then uh, decaffeinated green tea is not, is not as good, you know, not as healthy or nutritious for you. So what I do with my green tea is... Um, I sweeten it with a natural sweetener or with honey. So green tea, I can drink it, but I weaken it, so to speak. But someone told me, um, uh, a doctor told me, that you don't have to drink the green tea. Did you know that? Yes. You can take it, you know, you can make the green tea, you know, full strength, swish it around in your mouth, and spit it out because enough of it gets absorbed in, you know, in the cells in your mouth that you still get, you know, you still get the um, benefits, but without, all, you know, in, ingesting it totally down to the stomach, you know. You wow, know. I don't really know about that, and I've never, ever heard that. Part of it would seem to make sense, but I don't know about the real bioavailability of that. That'd be interesting to research. Yeah, but someone had told me that, you know, you don't have to drink tons and tons, of, you know, gallons of green tea to get its benefits. You could drink just some of it like that and, you know, but anyway. I notice also you write in the book about how to be happy. And that's like taking a tiger by the tail. But <laughs> would you like to talk about that? Because you're one sure. of the happiest people I've ever met. You've gone through a lot of trials and tribulations in your life. And you have so many wonderful contributions to offer. And you've been helping people in different respective areas. You've done a lot of things in your life. So why did you write about how to be happy? I think because a lot of people are not. It starts with that, the research that shows that 70% of the people who go to work every morning are unhappy with their jobs. And I thought about that, and I thought, that's pretty miserable. And then I thought about a lot of negative people who, um, I'm not surrounded by them, but you meet a lot of people who are very negative. And uh, also, especially being around other cancer patients and survivors, and you can Oh, I belong to a survivor group now, which is one of, one of the best things I've ever done, just actually very recently uh, through um, Torrance Memorial Hospital. Fabulous. 
just fabulous. They have a wonderful cancer survivorship program going on there. And uh, I know that many other hospitals, you know, Kaiser, Long Beach Memorial, et cetera, et cetera, many of them, and I, um, I suggest to everyone who is a cancer patient or survivor to join a, uh, a support group of some kind. This is one of the things. But um, I guess earlier in my life, I decided nobody could make me happy except me. And I've stuck to that. I, 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 you know, when we depend on somebody else, you can be disappointed, you can get angry, you can get resentful. The other person doesn't come through for you because you're counting on that person, depending on that person. And uh, I realized, hey, this is not going to happen. I am responsible for my own happiness. So I choose to be happy. I choose to be an optimistic person. When I was first diagnosed in 1989, it was very scary. I was the first one in my family. And you hear that a lot. But I'm the first one in my family. I don't have to, you know, go and get my mammogram when I turn 40, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, no. Guess what? is always the first in the family <laughs> to get it. Some families, uh, you know, you might be genetically uh, predisposed to it, but other families, I was the first, and I have three sisters. I have two sisters. Thank God everybody's okay. Yeah, and I have two brothers. And so I, I'm the youngest of six, and my, and my doctor told me, you know, he says, well, you, you eat well, you, you know, you don't drink, you, you know, you live a, live a very healthy lifestyle. So in 1989, 22 years ago, he said, the only reason I can think is because that you grew up in New Zealand. I said, and uh, immediately the light bulb went out. In New Zealand, the dominant protein there is lamb. What does that mean? It's a red meat. And then dairy. I, I grew up drinking milk that came from a bottle delivered to my house with an inch of uh, cream on the top, and that was dairy. And I found out some interesting things that um, I'm getting um, digressing here. <laughs> you know, they can even tell now. We didn't know about electropollution, and nor did we have the degree that we do now, but they know that electropollution can change the cells in your body and alter your immunity, your brain chemistry severely. We have never had this level of microwave stations all over, wireless stuff, all this dirty electricity that you write about in the book. That's number one. But number two, what they found out also has to do with the hormones, that there were a lot of women on hormones they shouldn't have been on. They weren't bioidentical. They didn't have their hormones tested. They had too much estrogen in their body. So who knows? No, but be, but before that, Kim, before that, uh, there was uh, chemical pollution. Our food was being genetically already, genetically uh, being altered, and we're ingesting that food. You know, with the, you know corn-fed cows, for example. You know what? I don't know how long it's been going on. I thought it was more new than old, but maybe it's oh. been going on much longer. No, we, uh, you know, we, we don't have grass-fed, well, we do. Grass-fed cows and grass-fed, you know, uh, mammals now. We're eating corn-fed. Everything's corn-fed. Then we'll talk about chemical pollution, of course. Right. What are we putting in our skin? Scary stuff. 
everything around us, chemical. I mean, you look, just look in your, wherever you're sitting while you're listening to this program, look around your house, look around your office, and tell how many are natural fabrics or natural materials. Frightening. You go to a, I went to a, a car dealer, and there's a 4x4 four four sticker on the window, the driver's size, it's in, in, and, and printed in like three-point type, says, warning. The materials used inside this vehicle may be cause of, and then they list, and you take a look at that label, go to any car dealer, and there it is. This happened to be a Mercedes dealer, but it, you know, could be any. But the, thank goodness, at least the government is warning about us. And then the electronic, absolutely, very, very scary. No child under eight years old should be allowed to have. Uh, a cell phone. Absolutely. I totally agree with you, and it totally upsets me oh what's happening to kids. The electromagnetic transmission, the EMT, that is, you know, that is, um, comes out from a cell phone, and their brain, the children's brains are not, you know, large, and they're still developing. And I just read somewhere that teens, for example, there's so many things regarding cancer. Teenagers are over 400 increase in brain tumors. And that will double and triple with smartphones, which have a much stronger signal and more power. Absolutely. And then, I hate to say it, Bluetooth, anything that sticks in your ear, all all, all the electronics are right next to your brain. You know what they found out recently in the last couple of years about breast cancer? There's a big discovery by Dr. Abraham, who did a 30 year study on Japanese women and breast cancer compared to American women and breast cancer. And what he found out was when the Japanese women came to America, they developed breast cancer because they lost a huge degree of iodine that was no longer in their diet. And then they found out that if they supplemented with a minimum of 12.5 milligrams of iodine, if the breasts don't have it, they will pull it from the rest of the body. It is a fascinating study. You should actually read that study. Well, I'll tell you what. In 1989, my radiologist was a Japanese-American radiologist out of St. John's Medical Center up in Santa Monica. And he looked at mine and he said, do you know that the inside... This is 22 years ago, my first diagnosis. And he, he was the one who discovered it, right? He says, the incidence of breast cancer of women in Japan is 1 in 4,000 or something. This was 1989. Right. The incidence of uh, non-Asian, Caucasian-American women in the United States is 1 in 11. And for women, fourth generation, fourth generation Japanese-American women in 1989 was 1 in 8. Now, here it is 22 years later. And guess what the incidence for, incident of breast cancer is for the typical American woman is now one in eight. And I have not gone and found out what it is for the fifth and sixth generation Japanese American women here. I have no Probably doubt about of, that. Absolutely yeah, no I don't doubt. Know. But you, already the Caucasian women have caught up 22 years later was, you know, with the Japanese-American, fourth-generation Japanese-American women in 1989, and it's one in eight now. 
That's why I take 24 milligrams a day of iodine, Lugo's solution in something called iodoral. I take two tablets Mm-hmm. And they have this new iodine load test that's $100 or under that that you can do that's very advanced so you can know exactly what your levels are and what you need, what your body needs. We have so much more available to us now than we did 22 years ago. It's an interesting world. In some ways, there's been so much new knowledge. And in some ways, we still haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, uh, there's so many things that are just very easy. Number one is eat the rainbow. Eat the rainbow. The more colorful your fruits and vegetables are, that's what we should be eating, okay? Um, wash all your, I mean, some of these things are not, for, not expensive. You sh- uh, when you bring your vegetables and fruits home, use a mild sea salt solution, warm sea salt solution, and a vegetable brush. That doesn't cost a lot of money to do. You don't have to buy, you know, go and buy special, you know, rinses and things like that. Buy organic and local. Farmers markets, okay, and it's fresh because it's closer to the source. I think that's really important. Um, I think that uh, uh, the new plate, <laughs> eat the new, uh, follow the new plate uh, uh, model. What is that? That's uh, that's the one that just came out um, for uh, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. I think the FDA came out or what it came out just over the weekend. I think it was Friday or Saturday. Said that you know instead of the pyramid with the you know the grains and all that, now they they have it on a circle and 50% of the the circle, which represents your round plate, <laughs> is fruits and vegetables. And then a quarter of that, you know, 50% is already half, right? And then a quarter, 25% should be proteins. The other 25 should be um, the carbs and the grains and that sort of thing. And then off on the side, uh, dairy products with every, you know, some kind of a dairy uh, product with your meals. So at each meal. But the other, uh, and another thing to remember is, don't eat three meals a day. Eat six. Eat six, yeah, yeah, six small meals. So you're never hungry. But if you if you treat your snacks like a mini meal, it can be um, it can be very very healthy for you. So you should nosh or nibble all you know gray what they call grazing or noshing or nibbling all day. So the two times in the mor- in morning, one in the morning and one in the afternoon when our blood sugar drops, that's when we feel hungry and we crave something. So it could be about 10 in the morning and usually about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And so make sure that when you have a snack, it's a healthy snack. Healthy snack would be, you know, like a... Um, a slice of cheese uh, with a, a wheat cracker or something like that should have nuts. You could have uh, nuts, which has protein. Have some kind of a protein. Do you have walnuts? Do you have almonds? What do you eat? I love walnuts, and I love uh, I love walnuts and almonds. And I, I'm addicted to white pumpkin seeds, which we get at you know Chinese markets. I love white pumpkin seeds. They're really good for you. They are good for you. And Brazil nuts, oh my gosh, you know, uh, I love pecans, I love, you know, uh, pistachios, uh, any kind of nuts. And I, you know, in the morning I, on my wheat bread, it's, it's uh, 
you know, the banana, the banana with the, uh, uh, the nut spread. And I have, uh, I buy my, uh, almond butter, you know, almond butter rather than peanut butter. And I try to, you know, not eat too many, you know, high fat content like macadamia nuts. There's some nuts that are less, uh, healthy, but seeds are wonderful for you. Pepitas are, uh, pe- you know, pepitas that you can get in the, the, uh, Hispanic, uh, markets. Those are pumpkin seeds. People don't, a lot of people don't know that. Sunflower seeds, unsalted, of course, are wonderful. Do you take any flaxseed oil or how do you get your omega-3s or chia oh, seeds? My, or? my flaxseed oil, my flaxseed oil, I go and buy my flaxseed by bulk. And I buy it, you know, like at uh, one of the, like at Whole Foods Market or Henry's or, uh, f- or is it Fresh and Easy? What's the other right. one? Can't remember now. Sprouts. Uh, Ralph's, wherever you can buy it. Actually, it's Sprouts or Trader Joe's. Right, exactly. Trader Joe's or anyone. uh, There are a lot of markets like that. I buy a boat and buy it in small batches. You don't want it to go rancid because you're not getting it fresh. Only buy as much as you can use. Like For me, it would probably be about three-quarters of a pound. I can't get through or a pound of it. And then I have two different kinds of electric grinders. One is for coffee, <laughs> coffee beans, which I rarely use. And the other one is for all my seeds and, and nuts. And that one I reserve. It's just like a, you know, like a, mine is a, happens to be a little, you know, electric coffee, you know, uh, coffee uh, grinder. And I put it in and then I put it in a jar. And then I uh, put it over my cereal in the morning. Um, I, I put it on, I sprinkled it on salads. I use the flaxseed as a thickener for uh, uh, sometimes uh, um, my soups or my, you know, but uh, I, I, I sprinkle, you know, once it's ground, it's easy to digest, you know. It's, you know, you don't have to chew it. I'm lazy. <laughs> so, so this book just came out some months ago. Mm-hmm. And I know you've been traveling and you've been busy. Have you promoted it very much? Do people know what's out there? Where can they buy it? Well, they can, uh, they can, there's, uh, two gift shops right in the South Bay area. Both the, um, the Kaiser Permanente at Harbor, in Harbor, uh, City on Vermont and also the Torrance Memorial Hospital gift shop. Both gift shops are carrying this book. But, uh, for your listeners, uh, PacificHeritageBooks.com, books with an S, plural, dot com. They can order it right there with their PayPal. And uh, if you order through Pacific Heritage Books, you can, um, uh, it'll be autographed because I, you know, we ship it out uh, from our offices here. Or if uh, you'd like to have it personalized, um, your listeners can actually write to me and order it, you know, directly. You know, I love getting mail. I've always, uh, correspondence has always been one of my hobbies, so I enjoy hearing from people and who they're going to order from. If you'd like it personalized, not just autographed, but personalized to the recipients, right, they can email me, and uh, my email is uh, easy to remember. It's amawong at att.net. That's A-M-A-W-O-N-G at att.net, and... um, just write in and say, oh, I need this many books, and you can do it on the credit card and the whole thing, and tell them, okay, I need six books, and here are the, you know, here are the people who they're going to, and would you write something to them or something? 
and I'll be so happy to personalize it because uh, for people you care about and love. I would think it would be a great and very practical gift, whether people have had cancer, have been ill or not. It's a wonderful preventative book. I was also going to ask you what you thought of Suzanne Summers and her work and the fact that she cured her own cancer and what your take on that is. I first heard about a book when I was exhibiting at the California Library Show, actually, about two years ago. I think it was Barnes & Noble had a booth right next to where I was exhibiting. And I think all their books were on sale. And I saw it for the first time when somebody else in my booth, one of my fellow workers in the booth, bought the book. And then I flipped through and I said, hey, this is really great. And the one she got was Knockout. See, I didn't know that Suzanne Summers had written a book. And I read it and I loved it. When I read books for information like that one is, I use a highlighter, go through, and I put tabs on it and write stars and places I want. And I thought it was a fabulous work. And I have since given that book to several of my friends who are also cancer survivors and patients, and they have enjoyed it. It's a wonderful book. It's also very specific. She interviewed over 30 doctors and non-chemo treatments and, you know, alternative treatments, as well as integrated medicine. It covers all, all these say, more technical. Mine is more a mini encyclopedia of bite-sized health and happiness tips. Wonderful. How to be healthy, how to be happy. <laughs> and like you said, I think that's the appeal. Most of the people who have read it and the appeal, the, the word gets out by word of mouth. People read it and say, this is a wonderful book, and then all of a sudden I'm getting orders from their friends and other people's friends. And everybody has a 100% chance of knowing somebody with cancer. So Father's Day is coming up. Grads are coming up. Kids are going off to school. Hey, mom and dad, or if you're an aunt and an uncle, somebody you care about, some young person is going off to college or away from home, moving out. This is a wonderful housewarming gift, a goodbye present. It's for year-round gift-giving because it shows that you really care for somebody and their health and happiness and their welfare. Well, I really appreciate you being on the show today. You know, we did a piece on feng shui with you last year, which I loved, and so many of the people listening loved it. I wanted to ask you, on your book, Target the U.S. Asian Market, it was written how many years ago, that other book? Oh, that book was written, I think, in 1992 or three, and it was the first book ever written teaching people sales and marketing strategies, practical guide for working with Asian Americans. Obviously, you wrote it with the intent to help American and Asian businesses. Yeah, my mission statement as an intercultural consultant is bridging cultures for better business between Asians and non-Asians. Well, I think because a lot of people in the U.S. and some other parts of the world are very afraid of China taking over American business and being better and really being poised to be the superpower of the world, I think that while I haven't read that book that you've written, I'd like to read it and then invite you back to talk about the interculturalism, to talk about being Chinese, and to talk about how we may be effective to do business together. 
Well, thank you. I'd love to do that. There's a lot of things that still apply. I'm still doing a lot of feng shui for the builders in California. Amazingly, during recession, I have builders who have me come back. I got two new builder clients who had never used me before, and I've worked with over 100 real estate developers all over the world. I guess you would call the information and the knowledge there as being evergreen <laughs> when it comes to working with Asians. Well, it would be wonderful. And why don't you share about the class that you're teaching? On Monday, July the 11th, I'll be teaching a class on feng shui and healing under the Connecting Mind and Body Summer Series. It starts at 6 o'clock to 7.30 at the Center for Healthy Living in Malaga Cove Plaza in Palos Verdes Estates. And the information number for that is 310-517-4665. So they can call that number to register if they are near or around Torrance that day. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Angie. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking with, learning from, and listening to Angie Ma Wong, the feng shui lady, and the author of The Survivor's Secrets to Health and Happiness. You can reach Angie by going to AngieMaWong.com or PacificHeritageBooks.com. Thank you so much for being with us, Angie. Thank you for the interview. It is my pleasure. It's rainmaking time.